Overthoughts, a proud member of the Overthink Podcast Network. Uh, today we're talking about Westworld Season 2, Episode 9, Vanishing Point. And there's going to be a lot of spoilers. Oh yeah. So uh, get set, because here come all of them as I recap this week's adventure. We start with William giving a reflective voiceover while we watch him wander a fancy soiree with flash-forwards to the present where he gets in fights with his daughter, who's only really trying to help him. Yeah, it's something. Dolores and co. take out Ghost Nation, and we see Teddy reemerge from the dark void of Theodore as he offers a modicum of mercy to one final member of Ghost Nation. Bernard watches as Charlotte, or should we say Charlie? That may be next week. Watches Clementine show off her fancy robot plague powers. Back to Emily and her pa, where she says, totally against character, that she wants in on his capitalism and crimes. Meanwhile, in the past, Robert tells William that he's been watching him, and hands him Chekhov's high scorecard. In the present, Bernard lets Robert, I am a vivisected Maeve, then picks up Elsie and heads for the valley. Emily and her dad talk advanced haberdashery, and we flash back to William and his wife, Juliet, having a fight, which a younger Emily interrupts. William tosses Chekhov's high scorecard into a symbolistic tome, symbolically, and heads downstairs to chat with Emily. As they chat, water drips from up above, and William discovers Juliet's suicide. Back to the present, where a paranoid William accuses his daughter of being a robot. Murders some dudes, who were also only trying to help. Murders his daughter, then discovers he's just the worst. Yeah. Back in the lab. Well, speaking of Chekhov real quick, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was reaching for Chekhov's gun, which she showed him in the first scene. Good call. Good call. And she was reaching for that said mm-hmm. high scorecard. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Chekhov nouns in this episode. Uh, we, we need to check them all off, I think. Wow. hey All right. Uh, so he is just the worst. Back in the lab, Robert tells Maeve that she's always been his favorite, and he gives her one last gift. Um, omnipotence, I guess? Bernard deletes Robert from his brain and ditches Elsie so he won't hurt her. She's not really impressed with that. William contemplates suicide, and we finally get the origin of that voiceover. It's what he said to his wife when he thought she was asleep. She wasn't. After he leaves, Juliet grabs Chekhov's high scorecard, sees that her husband is a monster, puts the card in Emily's music box, and heads to the bathroom. Back in the present, William can't quite bring himself to shoot himself in the head, but he can cut open his arm to see if he's a robot after all. But we don't get to find out until next week, because we cut to Teddy following through on what William couldn't. Good night, sweet prince. And with that, welcome to Eulogizing Teddy. And from all of us at HBO to you, happy Father's Day. Wow. This was a tough one. This was a tough one. This is rough. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Uh. I think... I think I may need to help talk you through this, Ben, because... Who am I? Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't introduced anything. <laughs> I am Jason Helms, uh, your host. Uh, that feels so weird when we're talking about this. Uh, we'll be co-hosts nice. and co-guests, but anyway. Yes. Uh, and go. with me, as always, is my brother, Ben. Oh, yeah. Usually here. Sometimes here. Sometimes here. Uh, today he is yeah. here, and it's just the two yeah. of us. And we're going to do a little therapy together because mm-hmm. Ben's mm-hmm. favorite character all season long the one he's cared the most about <laughs> is William. And so uh, I think there's some processing that needs to happen. Um, I got some. I got plenty of notes ready to go. Yeah. So so how you doing, Ben? So did you, you said you were going to walk me through something? That's what I want to walk you through. I want to walk you, okay. you through your feelings. I want to get. So, yeah, yeah. So let's get Make sure that so we can first, get to the valley beyond those feelings. Yeah. So he starts over with the voiceover. He's at the fancy party or whatever. The voiceover is talking about a stain deep within him that he always knew was there and that was not revealing to everyone or whatever. And we find out where that voiceover comes from later. But it's the first scene where he's there with the other tall, rich guy. He's like, oh, Ed Harris, you are always so poor and smart. And his wife, Celia Ward, by the way, comes in, who is just like, comes in for one episode, is in half of the show, 
And it's like she got called to pinch hit in the ninth inning and just like hit a grand slam on the first pitch. She was amazing the whole episode. She comes in. He's like, oh, you're rich and smart, too. I was like, okay, so this guy that isn't trying to butter him up because he's another rich guy is telling us how amazing William is. So right then it's implanted in my mind. Okay, so we're we're learning how nice he is. That happens a bunch of times throughout the episode. We hear Good call. Oh, I have it written down. I, I need to find it. How charitable uh, he is. He's doing philanthropy. He's so successful. Yeah, yeah. All within the first 15 minutes. So right away I'm just like, they're willing one of two ways. I, I didn't know right away they were gonna make him the, the heel. because uh, he's been the heel the whole time, right? Yep. He's the big bad the first two seasons. And I was like, maybe they're just late to the game trying to be like, oh no, no, all of these things you've seen. William's actually an amazing dude, and he's the only one who's actually good in this whole thing. We just haven't shown you the good parts. And part of me is like, oh, that's cool. That's a kind of a fun little twist. Uh, and hosts don't matter, and maybe they're not sentient, but that's part of their program. And we're going to get some kind of twist in the next two episodes. Uh, and, and then I was like, maybe actually what they're probably trying to do. These are, again, this is the two thoughts in my mind. I didn't, I didn't have – it was 50-50. I didn't know what they were going to do. Was set us up in this episode. Give us a couple nice things about him early on and have him do something terrible in the last five minutes. And that's not, not exactly so, what happened. Right before that horrible thing happens, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. That's going to be great. So he gets to kill his daughter, which is just just great. Yep. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. Um, but Yeah, I think <sighs> I, I was just hoping that, that there'd be more to William. And it's the twist is, nope, he is who we thought he was. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of been the twist all along for William in the, you know, the twist from the first season was uh, the maze is not for you, right? He sees meaning where there is not meaning. And we get the reason for that, which is the, the some of the words that show up on his high scorecard when Juliet opens it up, it's done this psychological profile of him. And what it sees is that he's incredibly paranoid. Right. And he thinks everybody's, he's got delusions, uh, he's got paranoid delusions. That's why he did the maze. I don't think that Ford actually laid this whole game for him in a sense mm. in that, you know, he could have found a misspelled uh, sign in the janitorial closet and been like, ah, oh, this means something. This is what's no, really what he would have done. It's just gone. Fuck you. Cause that was like the you, favorite Robert. line of this episode. Every Fuck five minutes, you, someone else Robert. was screaming that Elsie screamed yeah. it to Bernard alert or what yep. do we call him now? He's now Ber- Bernard. Arnold and well, he's not Robert. And, he's he's ex Robert and Robert. Oh yeah, at that point he was. But yeah, Ronald is when he's all three, I guess. Ron- <laughs> Ronald. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was just the 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 motto of the show today. And I think I screamed yep. it at the screen a couple times actually during the episode. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 That was very Shakespearean. Uh, him killing his daughter. Yeah. Um, it it felt like Lear. Um, it felt somewhat like Titus Andronicus. Sure. Yeah. But it was. I mean, it's really really big and. And again, it's in Lear, he does it because of his madness, uh, which I think is that we've got to accept that William is uh, very much not a reliable narrator. I know he's not narrating all this, but he has been a point of view character for a lot of this. And we were, it was shown to us during the first season that basically the whole game that he saw set up, just it, it had nothing to do with him. He, was, he had made it all up. And he's been convinced this entire season that there is another game for him. But there's not. The other game is just that he murders his daughter. It's... Uh, uh, Robert's final revenge. Robert, uh, played by Sir Anthony Hopkins, who uh, played Titus Andronicus, I should point out. I'm sure he's played Lear, too. I would assume so. So what is the stain, right? He talks about it's, that's the true selfie. He says, no one sees it, this thing in me, even I didn't see it at first. Uh, and then I, I can't remember the, the whole quote, but basically just saying how ev- the good flaked away and all that remained was the stain, that kind of stuff. Uh, is the stain just 
like evil humanity, just like hedonistic desire or let's compare it to the end of last episode uh, where they say, um, and I think it might even be William saying, you know, what are we other than um, the accumulation of all of our choices, all the decisions that we made? Because what we have in those two positions, well, he says that two, at the end of this episode too. He has that was at the end of this. Okay. Yeah. Those are two radically different views of human nature. Okay. Okay. One is uh, that you have, you have total depravity or some kind of sin nature within you. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is that there is no kind of sin nature within you, but rather, your nature is just the accumulation of all the actions that you've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, does essence, is there some kind of essence, some kind of stain on us or maybe a, a force for good even, right? But something essential to us that, that is the reason kind of all, all our actions or this thing that we call virtue or character or, you know, evil, all of those things, are they just a description of the actions that we've done? And we've got both presented in this episode. Yeah, yeah. The last monologue, or the, the the little choices monologue, he says at the end was, "What is a person but a collection of choices? Where do those choices come from? Do I have a choice? Were any of these choices ever truly mine to begin with?" Yeah. So, uh, and that gets back to the whole thing about like Dolores. Did she have free will when she killed Robert? Right. That was one of our first questions of the season. Mm-hmm. Another question is, I think the same setup that led Dolores to kill Robert, which is right, he gave her limited choices. He constrained her in some ways and put her in situations where he thought he knew what she would do, but he didn't actually force her hand. Yeah. I think the same thing is in a weird way, Robert killed Elsie and killed Juliet because he introduced the Chekhov's high scorecard. This was part of his revenge plan all along on William. Uh, William had perverted his park into what he didn't want it to be. And so he said, here, let me, uh, let me throw this card into the mix and see what chaos so, it causes. Tell me about the card. The card, obviously, we know is his, it's like his profile of his Westworld character and like all of right. the recordings of what he did. And that's why his wife committed suicide. She's like, oh my gosh, look at these terrible things you've done. This is your, if, if this is your collection of the choices you've made, then you're a horrible, horrible person. But what otherwise would it be intended to be this card that he gave him? Is it, is it the copy of himself that's like, this is your immortality? I don't think so, but okay. I think it might have been part of the thing that would be used to create his immortality, like the dossier that they would use to craft. It's, it's like their research to craft that that magic bouncing ball that everybody's consciousness is stored in. So it's, um, it's like the precursor is, to the little orb thing. Yeah, that is yeah. his this brain, would, right? Or that's the exactly. Brain. I think this is the research. Okay, um, right. which is why, and it's not something that guests would typically get because again, it gives a psychological profile right. that you get uh, from. You don't want to find out that you're paranoid. The hats. That was a cool oh, love reveal. Love that, that was cool. No matter what choice you make, we know exactly why you made it and what you're doing. That was cool. And the first choice you make, this is the the perfect thing. The first choice you make is a black hat or a white hat, but it's not a choice. You're choosing to put on a hat. And it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That that was a really cool idea. I mean, that that says so much about the show, almost more than the the stories of anything, but just that one thing right there they did. That was so good. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I, I think Robert's, plan was eventually to drive uh william against his own family knowing that he was paranoid uh i mean he knows that based on it says that in the card and so that he's going to try and hide this from them him trying to hide it from them will lead to them finding it them finding it will lead to them hating him uh and whether or not that leads to juliet killing herself or william killing elsie later on those might not have been that intentional but leading to chaos and the dissolution of his family that is what he was headed for so emily says to him right before her murder is you haven't lost yourself to pretending you are in very and you are in your very essence a lie. Mm, that's an interesting thing to say, right? And so is that the idea? I mean, immediately they're still toying with the idea of like, oh, maybe he's a host, and right. so if he is a lie, or is his life a lie in the sense that he's lived more of his life in this fake world, and that yeah. is the lie. Yep, and that would make sense. I guess that would lead that would 
give more credibility to him than making him crazy. Yeah. Rather than just let's make a main character crazy and that's the twist, which I don't like. This seems like a cop out. It seems like lazy writing. Right. Because then you can have all these inaccuracies and untruths throughout the whole thing and just be like, oh, he was crazy. Right. None of right. it mattered. Yeah, I don't think they're giving us anything that's um, untrue. Yeah. But they're putting it, they're framed in his narrative where it's like he's discovering these things. And all the stuff that he was discovering in the first season, the entire maze, it wasn't just that the maze wasn't for you. It's he was literally discovering um, the trails of Akachita leaving behind the maze and things like that to, to open up the world for other hosts. And so he was discovering something that just had nothing to do with him. Similarly, he was discovering something when he was, or he thought he was, when he was saying, you know, is Elsie a robot? And I think all of us for one second were like, maybe she is. Maybe that twist is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, so we got taken in by his paranoia to an extent. And I, I think that that's part of the narrative is about uh, paranoia and interpretation, which are really big themes in literature. That interpretation comes from paranoia, from reading way too much into things. And yeah. Westworld wants to create that paranoia by having him put the book in a copy of Slaughterhouse-Five uh, so that we have to like overinterpret it and everything. Right, right. And at the same time, it's going to slap our hands for that. Uh, and that has a long literary tradition in a lot of the books that uh, Ben, you and I have talked about. Uh, Gravity's Rainbow, it's a big theme. Uh, Umberto Eco's um, Foucault's Pendulum. So these are mm-hmm. a lot of the books I wrote about in grad school. And a uh, an idea I was really interested in, but it connects back to Umberto Eco's uh, book on uh, literary theory called Interpretation and Overinterpretation. You know, how do you know when you're when you're just reading into something the right way, and how do you know when it's it's gone way too far? Right. And I think uh, that Lisa Joy and whichever Nolan this is, Jonathan, yep, yeah, are really playing with that and, and trying to lead us into this overinterpretation stuff and having some fun with the Reddit community, uh, not just through rickrolling us. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, this was definitely a very good episode as far as kind of picking up all of the pieces that they'd been laying down for 18 episodes now or whatever it's been. So um, I think they did a great job yeah. in in this penultimate episode. And uh, the next on we can get into later, but it seems like there's, yeah, they're going to kind of continue that, right? There's a lot of things coming together that we haven't seen yet. So, uh, but yeah, as far as the Williams storyline, uh, I think he's going to be disappointed when he opens up his arm. And finds that he's not a robot? Yeah. 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 I not that right. become not that finding that you are one would be much better, I guess. Yeah. I don't you know, and that's that's a cool thing that they've done is I don't know which one I want them to do. I don't know which one would be better. Yeah. Because um, it kind of would be a cool twist to be like, oh, he's a robot. Right. Especially when he's he realizes that he has spent so much of his life killing robots. Right. He is the immortal self that he had always wanted to be. He just didn't realize it, I guess. I don't even yeah. know what that would be like. Um, I right. think that I think that he's not, but I do think that he exists within the forge. Uh, so maybe we should talk a bit about the forge and what sure. it is, because we were introduced to that term uh, in this uh, episode. This is what's in the valley. Yep, this is uh, the valley beyond, uh, right. or the door, uh, if sure. you're called. Yeah, we probably- first hear about it when Dolores and Dolores's gang stumble upon the, uh, or I guess Ghost Nation kind of cuts them off in that little valley there. Yep, and they basically say, you know, you're not meant for the valley beyond. Not everyone is meant for it. Yep. And this is probably, oh, and we got a, a recap of that original scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, that yeah, we saw from the first yeah, episode. Yeah. Great callback. I was say, and real quick, yeah. And, um, and Dolores refers to it as, or I think he says something like, do you know what that is? Or do you know what the Valley Beyond is? And she says it's a tool to ensure their their immortality. Yeah. So it's kind of what we thought it was all along. That's yes. the clearest definition we got of it. And yes. We, were, we, meaning us, and Reddit. I don't, yeah. I don't think it was us that came up with it at all. Yeah. And it's, um, the cradle was a good, um, like primer for it so that we understand yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, the primer was the, the cradle was used for testing out narratives within the park. 
Uh, this is either one giant world where all the people after death can live, like Ford was living inside uh, the cradle, or it's maybe a multiverse where each of them has their own little West world or their own little Shogun world, or maybe something closer to our world where they can live out their lives. And so we saw in the next time on, for instance, I'm going to assume that Dolores is able to enter the forge uh, because at one point she walks by herself. And so there would be a Dolores that's in the forge and the Dolores that's awake that's outside the forge that enters the forge um, and that this is their immortality. Is the forge a physical space? Yes. It's not just, it's not where Bernard and Robert went or Bernard went to find Robert, which is like the, the sea or the, um, God, I oh, I see your it. question. Like, that was like, okay. it's like the cradle, right? It's like a virtual right. world within, within Westworld. Yes, it, it is both of those. It, for your answer, it's a virtual space, is my guess. And the physical space is the valley that we saw with a big hole in it with a bunch of servers. So the forge, if these are three names for the same thing, the forge mm-hmm. is the physical space, right? There is a bunch of servers, and so they call it the forge. Mm-hmm. Then there is the valley beyond, which is what Dolores calls it, which is this view of immortality, right? Mm-hmm. So that is, exists in a virtual space, within the servers. Uh, and then there is the door, which would be a way to get from here to there. Um, so it's kind of sure. tripartite in that way. There are three aspects of it. And so when the, the ghost nation guy says to Dolores, basically like, you know, she, you are not meant for the Valley beyond, like you're not right. deserving or whatever it was. And she says back to him, not all of us deserve to make it to the Valley beyond. Yeah. And then she kills all of them. Mm-hmm. So except for him, I guess, but everyone else. So that to me was saying like on its face saying, no, you're not meant for it. No, you're not meant for it. Right. And they're right. Just saying who's meant for it. But I'm wondering if she's agreeing with him and saying, yeah, you're right. I'm not meant for it. Not all of us are. Neither I, are you, but I'm going to go destroy it. Yeah. I, I think what she's saying is not all of us, meaning only humans were meant for it. Not right. us. Right. It's not for us. Right. Um, right. And in, in a sense, that might be a, a careful phrasing that's, would she say it exactly that way? Um, yeah, maybe not, but she said it in such a way that if we saw it in the first episode, it would leave a lot more of this ambiguous. Whereas if she said the Valley beyond was made for humans, not for us, then we have the whole explanation. And do we think that Akacheta sees the Valley beyond as he calls it the door, right? The door. Yeah. So, and we'll see him next week. I assume is he okay with destroying it? Does he want to get out of Westworld? It seems like he wants to get out. Yeah. He wants to get out of Westworld and this is his way out. How does, how does the Valley beyond how does the forge become a door to the, to, and we, and again, what we see in the, in the in next week is Maeve and Hector at some sort of like rip in the sky, right? It's almost like yep. Truman show when the boat runs into the back, the backdrop yep. kind yep. of thing. So that's, is that different? Is the door different than the Valley beyond or the forge? My guess is that it's the way into the Valley beyond It's the passage, okay. but there it's also a different focus. The Valley beyond is a location. The door is um, just means I can get out of this that this place is not real and I want to get to somewhere that's real. Uh, but it's, it's not real. It's no more real than, than where they're at. And so what he wants to do actually is get out of Westworld and get into reality, which has been more of Maeve school. Uh, right, right, right. And that may be what we're seeing in that rip. Right? Yep, I got you. All right, that makes sense. Should we get to Maeve? Let's do it. All right, so... Oh, these scenes we, are rough. These scenes are rough seeing Maeve just yeah, cut up like that. like three Oof. episodes now. Yeah, we're all... She's, yeah, vivisected is your term. Yeah, she's, yeah it's rough. Oof. Um, but I like the... Though, I mean, if Robert lives in the Matrix or whatever, then he can appear to anyone. Host-wise, right? he can appear yeah. to anyone at any time. So it makes sense that Bernard Arnold didn't need to run up there or whatever. Well, and I think uh, that that was more of a recording. You know, some kind of programmatic recording that could, like, walk around the room and didn't know exactly what she would look like at that time. But 
this was not something that she could interact with and like he he's done he's not in Maeve's head now right but the, the whole the whole line of finding out that she is special right we've always wondered yes. how she got this how why why her because yep. we knew once she did a wake up she was able to like force power and use the tablets to wake herself up and stuff but how did she get to that point and we that was the big reveal that was one of the big reveals this week which was uh, Robert says to Maeve, and of all the hosts I made, you, Maeve, were my favorite. You stayed in this world to save your child, so did I. You've come mm-hmm. this far, or you've come so far. There's so much of your story left to tell. I'd, it'd be a shame to let them end it here. Don't let them. And then he kisses her on the forehead, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really mm-hmm. touching scene, which you don't really get a lot with, with Robert scenes. Yeah. I'm not sure if he earned it as a character in that, like, before this, have we seen a lot of Robert, like, absolutely caring about Maeve? Yeah. Not that much, but I'm okay with it. Uh, but I, if you I can, can reveal it, that way. but if you can reveal it as he is the impetus behind the the character we've been rooting for the most, yes. that's a cool reveal. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and and again, it's it's still her choice. It's still her actions. She has free choice, free will. Yep. But it's him giving her the opportunity and kind of waking her up from her her hostness to be like, all right, now if you want to be free, be free, which is cool. Yeah. Um. And they they contrasted that with the very following scene. Bernard getting Robert out of his head. Yes. And Bernard saying, go kill Elsie. Or, uh, and Robert saying, go kill Elsie. <laughs> just, just like this. We had nice Robert to evil Robert. And again, I don't know. He's not alive anymore, really. So uh, this is all program Robert. I don't know how much of this is the real Robert or just the roles that he's playing to kind of get his pawns due to what he wants, wants them to do. Yep. Uh, let's talk about one more theory that I think we're headed really close to getting revealed. All right. Uh, I mentioned briefly in the summary. Charlotte Hale is Charlie, Bernard's son slash daughter. Bernard, have we talked about this theory yet? Yes. Yeah, briefly. You, you and Dom talked about it briefly last week. Okay. It was you and me that haven't talked about it. Yeah, right, right, right. right. I'm um, ready, though. Well, this is one I expect to be revealed next episode. You think it's going to happen? I'm, I'm set for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've given us enough of that that, that we're set up to, be, to have it revealed for us. Like, they don't need any more work. Whereas if one of our early theories, like uh, Bernard and Teddy... You know, Teddy is in Bernard's head. Th- mm. That would be like half the episode to get that done. Uh, there's yeah. no way they could re- reveal that. And yet, I think all the dominoes are there so that if next week we could get it revealed to us that Charlotte is Charlie in like a scene. Uh, and the way to know that is in the previously on, do we see shots of Charlie? And if we do, I think it's right from then on, you'll, you can just know, yeah, we're headed towards this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. I, th- I think that that is true. Uh, and I'm excited in a sense because it can lead towards a redemption of Charlotte's character, who is an interesting character to me and has been fairly evil this season. Um, and so seeing some kind of redemption for her, I could only see it through realizing that she, you know, has this kind of love in her background. I guess, man, I'm, I'm kind of out of Charlotte. She just seems like she's so annoyed by everything all the time. She hasn't really done anything Redemptive. Remember the first episode? We're like, oh, we're gonna get Bernard and Charlotte all season long. Is like this random other storyline. We haven't gotten any yep. of that since. Yep. She's just torturing hosts and finding out how to kill them and shut it down. It just doesn't seem like there's enough track laid for that reveal to be worth it. Yeah. Uh, as as cool as that that tie in would be, there hasn't been enough interactions between them since then to kind of make me be like, oh, all of these things mean different things. What about her torturing him? I mean, that scene means a lot more if this is a robot that was made out of her dad. Now we know why is yeah. she like this. It's something about her relationship with her dad that, you know, she's never forgiven him for committing suicide by robot. Uh, that makes sense that she's, she's on the board and she's like, what, 30 years old or yes, whatever because yes. her dad was the CEO of the company. Yep. Yeah. All right. I guess that would make a little more sense. And just, Charlotte, Charlotte and Charlie. 
like you've got the nice. Yeah, and that's the most obvious piece for sure. Yeah, I think I just and maybe I I hope we don't open up on next week like Bernard and Charlotte in the same room and they're like trying to patch together like oh see they were so close the whole time because it just doesn't seem like again right yeah, seem yeah. like there's enough going on I guess the interrogation scene would be like oh it means something else but it just no. doesn't seem like they had enough interactions this season for that to mean as much as I would want it to mean yeah I, I think it'll balance nicely with the father daughter stuff from this episode that's and hopefully that's with a more redemptive end to it <laughs> right hopefully he doesn't murder her Ugh. although maybe that would be the the murder that we would be rooting for <laughs> not me not me all right fair enough uh <laughs> wow what a weird show made me say that out loud oh wow yep yep yeah you do not like charlotte what murder are you rooting for <laughs> yeah so you still rooting for william what do you what do you hope happens with william now i'm, I'm curious because you've been team william for okay, a while so this is going to get into my prediction corner yeah let's do which it which we can get into right um my my one of my favorite movie top five ish movies of all time is the game michael douglas came out in the 80s yes uh and i'm gonna spoil the whole thing right here so yes. skip ahead two minutes if you don't want to be spoiled and yeah We're talk about seen this it, for 20 minutes get if in, you have get set if you have not seen the game stop this right now go see it it's probably on netflix or something you can get it for super cheap anyway and and watch it before you listen to this because it is a very big ending and it changes the whole movie uh and if you have seen it uh the whole thing ends with it was all not it was all a dream but it was all a a birthday party prank for him. And it's been, so Michael Douglas is basically William and he gets through this whole thing. He has to make some really tough choices. It's not as evil, but he's making these really hard choices and he does have to kill either like his brother or his girlfriend his or brother. Like his, yeah. And he ends up murdering his brother who's threatening his life. And it's this like justified thing. And he's like breaking down, having this like psychotic episode on the top of the building. And he ends up with, he has a gun in his hand and he's going to kill himself. And instead he just, he just jumps off the building. Yeah, he just jumps off, and it, it, there's even more going on. It's crazy. Yeah. And there's and even lands. a great thing where he says, "Like, what would you have, have done if I tried to shoot myself?" And somebody says, "I was, I was supposed to tackle you." Like, there, there was like this yeah. whole plan. <laughs> People were trying to break through the door to stop him to kill himself. They're like, no, yeah. no, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Don't jump off the building. Don't oh, kill yourself. So it's your birthday. It was all a prank. And he jumps off the building, falls through the skyscraper skylight thing into this giant inflatable bag that's like for for skydiver stuntman and stuff. And he falls down, gets out. And all of his fam- hundreds of family and friends are there to greet him and say, like, happy birthday. Like, we got you. You know, he's this rich guy. And so it's we got you the only thing that, like, that you couldn't have bought yourself, basically. Everybody experience. who's died during the course of the movie is there. Yes. And they're all dressed up. And family happy. and friends is a- made. Everyone who tried to kill him. Yeah. Police there. officers who wouldn't help him, who he had to, like, murder to keep quiet. And, like, all yeah. this crazy. Anyway. Yeah. And it's basically that last scene yeah. where William kills Emily. What if right after that, yes. somebody came out from around the corner and was like, clap, slow clap, hey, happy birthday, and then gotcha. Emily got up and gave him a high five. Happy it's, 70th, Dad. That would be the ending. So is that is that what you're calling? I I want that the most, <laughs> especially because we have the maze, the game. Like, there are, oh, yeah. uh, there's probably yeah, a yeah. whole Reddit thread. I could write it right now, actually. Yeah. A whole Reddit thread of all the tie-ins. I would love that. Uh, because we still, everything still means stuff, but we still get a happy ending. Because it's still, a, it can be a beautiful story within a story. Uh, but because I just don't love, not that I'd be against it and hate that it wouldn't ruin the show if it ended on this dark tone or whatever, you know, like kind of like this episode did, obviously. But I just am not a big fan personally of the nihilistic, like, well, this is what man is. We are right. evil. Right. I agree with that, but I, I don't want that in my art to be the point of all of art, right? Of just like, we're evil and this is bad and it sucks and yeah, that's we're irredeemable. The end. See you next year. We're like that's yeah. fine. 
Well, I think that that's the promise, and that's why I'm hoping – I'm really excited about season three because I think there's just so many directions they could go with. This, sure. this season has much more been about like burning things down, raising the ground so that they can start something new. But I've talked throughout this season about Dolores as the transvaluation of all values. And what's going to happen is the robots have to figure out who are we. What, what does it look like to be a robot? And in a sense, they get to create their own ethics and their own morality. Tim Shell. Tim Shell, thou mayest. Yes. Yes. That From was, one of Megan's awesome. favorite books. That was good. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, a book Used I've never read. Them. I'm embarrassed. Neither have I. But I read a quick summary right before this podcast. Yes. <laughs> and so <laughs> you, you get to figure out your own morality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, it's up to you. Yep. And this is, again, existence precedes essence is the basic idea here. A, a mainstay mm-hmm. of 20th century philosophy, uh, first uttered for the most part by uh, Martin Heidegger, at least in that sense, but influenced all of existential philosophy. The idea is you're just here. You've got to figure it out, man. Nobody's going to tell you the way that the world should really be. It is our responsibility to make the world a better place. John Steinbeck. John Steinbeck. Nietzsche. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Dolores and Teddy. Yeah. Oh, Theodore. This felt good. I, I, it was sad to see Teddy go. But he had such a meaningful good death. What a good scene. Yeah. Oh, my yep. gosh. And I, I was wondering, I mean, I, I knew pretty hard as soon as he reached for his gun, right, that he, he was going to kill himself. Like, oh, that, yeah. was the, that was the give. And she, everyone knew except for Dolores, which is what made that scene so beautiful. Yep. Uh, but the line of, yes, Dolores, no matter what happens, no matter how I change or how much you change me, mm. you're my cornerstone. Oh, and the little callback, the flashback to him first waking up for the first time oh, and him so looking across the room at Dolores and wanting to protect her and save her and all these stereotypical Teddy things. That was cool. And then him just being like, you've changed me too much that I, I can't stop you, but I can stop myself, which was yeah. cool. And also made us realize what it means to be, you know, we would say human, but authentic, right? Yeah. That there's an authenticity beneath these robots of someone that they believe that they really are. Mm-hmm. And Teddy has seen his slip away, and he's fighting yeah. back against that to say, no, this is who I, I really am. The real is that which is irreplaceable. His personality could not be replaced and changed in that way. And it's also that which, uh, as I've said, is not malleable. Uh, we can't just change it at our whims. Um, and so yeah. Teddy refused that. And, and sacrificing himself for Dolores in a way that sacrificing himself, so not, not for her physical safety and her well-being, but for her, her humanity ironically, yeah. or her morality, right? Saying that if you can't accomplish this without me, then I'm going to take myself off the board. So you can't accomplish this. So hopefully you can be redeemed. Yep. That, that this, this Dolores we've seen all season is not really Dolores. That this is who she's become for a variety of reasons, but that there is a real Dolores underneath that Teddy still loves. And I don't know that there's any way to get her back other than this. And what a better way to wake her up to that reality. Yeah. Exactly. Wow, that was, I think that was the most succinct conversation we've ever had about a scene in the history of this podcast. Nice work, everyone. <laughs> cool, cool. All right. Uh, any predictions for the finale? Okay. Uh, so quick. Talk a little bit of next, next time on, right? We have to decide. Uh, William, host or not? No. No. Uh, hard no. Uh, will Emily return? No. Yes, she'll be in the Forge, uh, but maybe only in season three. So you're saying that that was still the real Emily, but her eternal, he made her a long time ago. Yes. And she's, sense. when she realizes what's going on, she's going to beg to die and she's going to forsake her immortality. Like It'll be a I great like scene of season three, but yeah. In um, season three, you, know, you think we're going to get forged in season three? I, uh, I think that'll be part of it, but we'll see. I mean, it looks like it's going to be destroyed, right? Right. That's what we're, we're headed. Toward. I don't want a whole season of forging. 
it'd be it'd be weird in some ways to introduce this much and have this much knowledge of the forge and then just have it not exist. So I think in some sense we will have it in season three, there will be a virtual reality world where some people live on after death. Whether that's, you know, this forge, whether there was a backup, you know, cloud, whatever. Uh, there will be some version of it. All right. Uh, and in fact, maybe it's uh, one of these things where um, William, if he survives all of this, and I've got doubts about that, decides to do it just to bring back Emily. Uh, in which case she says, let me die. Right. Uh, it's yeah, a beautiful, tearful scene. That'd be great. Um, yeah, okay. So a lot of the next episode takes place in the forge, some of it not. Um, I'm excited for the William and Dolores team up. We see them riding together. We also see them pointing guns at each other. But yeah. I'm sure the first 10, 15 minutes they'll be riding together. That'll be fun. I'm excited to see some lines get redrawn. Uh, yes. Like what you were just saying. I could see Maeve on the other side of a line from the rest of her group. Mm-hmm. Because they've been journeying apart so long. Now, we haven't seen how her group has changed, but she has changed drastically. And so, How, though? I'm not sure. How has she changed? Oh, I guess through all of the... Um, Samurai Town and all that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's true. Since then. And she, I, thought, she is, I thought you just meant since the vivisection. No, well, yes. and the vivisection is a big part. She has some kind of new superpowers. I'm not sure exactly what they are. Sure. But if there is some way in which maybe her prime drive is no longer to save her daughter, she trusts Akechita uh, uh, to do so. Maybe um, she is able to have a completely new goal because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'd be interesting to see where she lines up with this. I, I'm very excited to see what she does in the last episode. As always, I just want more Maeve. I, so another thing that we didn't talk about real quick was the the truth talk. There was a, every character said something about truth. Robert to Bernard about Elsie. Don't tell her the truth. You can't trust her. It's in her nature. Yep. Uh, which I like the idea of talking about a human's nature. Yes. Compared to talking about we talk talking about hosts' natures and the, and their driving forces this whole time. Uh, William's wife uh, to to William in bed. Tell me one true real thing. Is this real? Are you real? And then Emily to William. You want the truth? Uh, and just the whole. I obviously truth is you know who is a host is kind of following every single scene throughout the season so i would love for the idea of this episode to be flipped on its head of william being a host and emily being a host and all of these things to be like oh like it's not true that these people just died but it's true that they were still killed yes in the sense that the hosts are still real even though they're not human yeah i think i like playing in that realm a lot more than than just like, well, I would say a lot more than that. I like playing in that realm a lot of kind of, kind of like, oh, it was fake. Wait, but someone was still, mur- life was still defeated there. Yes. Does that mean it didn't happen or wasn't real? Hey, even you was care- it human? You're caring about robot lives. I'm so excited. Yeah, um, I don't know about that. You, you've come come a long ways. <laughs> um, yeah, and so in a, in a sense, we, we typically think of true in the sense of veracity. You know, this is an accurate depiction. Uh, and so the truest thing is the forge because it's this perfect de- depiction of a human being, right? William's high scorecard. That's truth. But what if William finds a way towards redemption? Is that not a different truth? Um, and so I, I'm with you. I, I really want to see them interrogate this idea of truth uh, and land on a different side. It doesn't have to be just the accuracy side. It can also be true in the sense of meaningful, telling us something true about the world. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. All right. Well, I, I think we're about out then. Yeah, I'm good, man. All right. Uh, join us next week uh, for... The passenger. Oh, any any thought on who the passenger is? I think it's Maeve. All right. I think it's Iggy Pop. But okay. And gosh, they need to play that song at some point. Uh, maybe on a player piano. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oof, that'll be good. All right. So uh, next week, uh, we've got the passenger. 
we will see you in just a few days because this is coming out late. Uh, luckily, we have no holidays, uh, so we can't look forward and say, oh, it's Mother's Day. They're going to just make this the worst thing ever. You know, so get psyched. I will let you go with that. Uh, you can follow me at Helm Street. Uh, ben, you're at the Ben Helms uh, on Twitter. Right. Overthink is at OverthinkPod. And our website is theoverthink.com. So I think that's about it. Uh, we'll catch you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Overthoughts, a part of the Overthink Podcast Network. Uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the Podcast Network. And if you're really feeling generous, go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. That would really help us out in a big way uh, and would help us create more content to share with you as well. So as always, you can check out our website at overthinkpod.com. And our handle is at overthinkpod pretty much everywhere else. So go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. And that would help us by spreading the word. Uh, we're always interested in hearing from listeners, so please drop us a line and let us know what you think of the show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe even if you want to suggest uh, some topics for us to cover on a podcast, that'd be great. You can email us at overthinkpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for stopping by.